Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. Glad you're here with us. Awesome show planned for you today. TJ Moe, uh, Royce White, Jordan Bowles will be here. We might, I haven't decided yet, we might have a little Tennessee Harmony. We may punt Tennessee Harmony to Thursday. Well, not punt's a bad word, but I, I just got to see how the first half of this show goes. I could get a little bit long-winded, and we may have to have Tennessee Harmony on Thursday, but we'll make that call. Fantastic show playing for you today. Round of applause for uh, TJ Moe uh, in studio with us. Thank you, TJ, uh, for being here. I want to get right down to business because I, I love this fire starter and conversation we're going to have today. Royce White's going to join TJ and I at the end of this fire starter. So uh, let's get rolling. No amount of money, security, and attention satiates a weak man. He behaves no differently from a woman. The moment a woman secures a Louis Vuitton bag, she covets Elena Park Marks. Get her a Marks, she moves to Fendi. By her a Fendi, she must have Chanel. The popularity of securing the bag mindset signifies the emasculation of American society. The bag is a purse filled with money, security, and attention. Women are wired to prioritize money, security, and attention above everything, including freedom. The bag seduces men to act like women. Pat McAfee is the latest example. Tuesday, the NFL punter turned YouTube star officially surrendered his freedom and autonomy to secure the Disney purse. A few years ago, McAfee appeared happy with his barstool bag. Less than a year ago, he was overjoyed when FanDuel dropped a $120 million bag at his doorstep. He appeared to have it all. Financial freedom, total autonomy. A side gig on ESPN's College Game Day, regular appearances with the WWE. But you can't satiate a weak man. Disney stocks the trendiest bag. So this week, McAfee abandoned his FanDuel deal and joined forces with the most corrosive cultural force in America, ESPN slash Denzi. He joined the groomers, the makers of cartoons and movies intended to sexually manipulate the identities and worldview of children. He joined the race baiters, the sports network that specializes in stirring racial division. It's arguably the weakest and most disappointing move in the history of sports. It makes LeBron James's decision to take his talents to South Beach and team with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh seem as courageous as storming the beaches of Normandy. But let's don't stop at sports. McAfee's cowardice rivals General William Hull's 1812 decision to surrender Fort Detroit to a small band of British soldiers and Indians. Hull's white flag cost us all of Canada and nearly cost Hull his life. President James Madison pardoned Hull of treason and a death sentence. Why am I so hard on Pat McAfee? because he has enormous financial security, a bevy of suitors, and he's only 36 years old. He's supposed to be as fearless as Joe Rogan, Tucker Carlson, and Elon Musk. We're in the era 
and time where real men are prioritizing freedom over worldwide approval and money. Rogan has stood his ground and continued to do a show that exposes truth. Carlson walked the green mile at Fox News rather than water down his wildly popular show. Musk, with his purchase of Twitter, has risked his reputation and a large sum of money to protect free speech. Yesterday, when a CNBC interviewer questioned Musk about his criticism of George Soros, a globalist spending millions of dollars to radically change America, Musk refused to back down. The interviewer even insinuated that Musk's critique of Soros could be construed as anti-Semitic. Take a listen to how Elon Musk handled his interviewer. You know, do your tweets hurt the company? Are there Tesla owners who say, I don't agree with his political position because, and I know it because he shares so much of it. Or are there advertisers on Twitter that Linda Yaccarino will come and say, you gotta stop, man. Or, you know, I can't get these ads because of some of the things you tweet. You know, I'm reminded of uh, the, the, the scene in The Princess Bride. Great movie. Great movie. Um, where he confronts the person who killed his father. And he says, Off of me money. Off of me power. I don't care. So you just don't care. You want to share what you have to say. I'll say what I want to say, and if if if, uh, if the consequence of that is losing money, so be it. Mm. That is what a man sounds like. Masculinity values free speech and truth more than money, security, and attention. ESPN and Disney are the enemy of masculinity, free speech, and truth. ESPN is the worldwide leader in promoting the matriarchy, the LGBTQ agenda, and racial idolatry. The network dropped the bag on McAfee for his bro show to serve as a beard for Disney's real agenda. McAfee's sellout move is being celebrated across the internet. He's being hailed as an amazing success story. He went from NFL punter to broadcasting superstar. It's allegedly the American dream. Selling out is not the American dream. Building a brand so that a global corporation can use your reputation to hide its anti-American, anti-patriarchy, and pro-alphabet mafia agenda is not worthy of celebration. It's sick. McAfee can't plead ignorance. He can't deny what ESPN is doing by saying, I just talk about sports. I'm not political. ESPN doesn't just talk about sports. ESPN is explicitly political. ESPN is explicitly racially divisive. Disney and ESPN have chosen a side on the transgender issue, which directly impacts how the network talks about men who pretend to be women and participate in women's sports. McAfee knows why ESPN dropped a bag at his door. McAfee's white male dominated show is intended to be a dog whistle 
to the white male traditional sports fans who have grown tired of Stephen A. Smith, Kendrick Perkins, Ryan Clark, Jalen Rose, Molly Karam, L. Duncan, and Malika Andrews constantly pushing the white man is the devil narrative. McAfee is too cowardly to get in the ring with ESPN's army of race baiters. Will Kane used to do it. He got tired of the role and left for Fox News. White former NBA guard J.J. Reddick has occasionally sparred with Perkins and Smith on first take. But ESPN doesn't host real fights, not on the issues that matter. ESPN lines up tomato cans to fight their race baiters and pays white men such as Mike Greenberg to sign off on the racial division or ignore it. McAfee will be paid handsomely to ignore it. That's what sellouts do. I can hear my critics right now. They will claim I'm jealous of McAfee. I'm not jealous, I'm disappointed. He can't muster the courage to even pretend to be uh, courageous. Dan Levitard and Bill Simmons muster the courage to pretend. Yes, they play woke to stay on the good side of social media, but at least they chose independence over obeying Disney commands. Disney is directly pursuing kids. The wickedness of Disney is obvious. Its strategy related to McAfee is just as obvious. McAfee is a weak man. He's no rebel. He's Joe Biden. That is my fire starter. <laughs> Can I just, before you go to Royce, yeah. I, today was a really bad day for the people who say you don't criticize white men. <laughs> you just lit Pat McAfee on fire and watched him burn for 10 minutes. You compared him to the biggest coward in American history, <laughs> General William Hull, who was court-martialed, convicted, and sentenced to his death over his cowardice. Yeah, yeah. And that, and I say that in all seriousness, that this decision by Pat McAfee, he cannot play the role, oh, I, I don't know, and I, I just, I don't do that. I'm not political. I, 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 don't, I don't know why they're playing me 10 plus million to be a beard, period, end of story, to cover up their real agenda. It, it, it's the, the weakness of men, and, and at this time, when there's so much uh, money to be made, and it seems so obvious, disconnecting yourself from those corporate purse strings are, are the masculine thing to do and the appropriate thing to do for Pat McAfee to pretend like he, he doesn't know what's going on and how he's being used, or, or, or maybe he does know and he just doesn't care, but I'm, I'm not going to allow him to get away with this. This is as cowardly an act as I've seen in the sports world. And, and I'm aware, and we're about to bring Royce on, uh, I'm aware that LeBron James and the way he ducks his head on China uh, is really cowardly. I, I, I get, and LeBron James has more money than Pat McAfee, but LeBron James has the excuse of like, hey, he he's in the NBA, the entire league. He he couldn't make money playing basketball any other way than being in the NBA and being in on their gimmick. Pat McAfee, perfectly fine, keeping his distance from ESPN. He had 
a bunch of other options other than being the beard for ESPN and Disney, and he chose to be their beard. I have no respect for it. Royce, am I being too hard on Pat McAfee? No, I think you bring up a very, a very good point uh, overall about about uh, people's um, impulse to sell out. There's an epidemic of sellouts in our country. There's an epidemic of selling out all across the world, um, and, and really, it speaks to a crisis of of faith. But but even more so, not even more so, but also a crisis of sacred honor. It's like, what is sacred honor? Now, how do we define it? The morals the values, the ethics you're willing to live by, fight for, and if need be, die for. This man has no sacred honor. You make an excellent point that you've made several times on this show, and, and I, I appreciate it. And, and it's part of what we're trying to do with this show and with these conversations is, is reset what masculinity is and help men understand because right now everybody thinks the most masculine thing you can be is as rich as you can be yeah that that, that is masculinity and <laughs> it, it can't be that it, 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 if that if if money justifies your masculinity and manly money justifies every behavior Let's all just grab stripper poles. Every every last one of us should be on a stripper pole, and yep. and and every again everybody should just be a sellout. We have to reestablish for men and for the culture what masculinity actually looks like, and and that's why I'm happy with the decision Tucker Carlson made and and Royce. Before I, I circle back to TJ, that's why I'm happy with what. Elon Musk did in that interview yesterday, I, you know, again, I, I know we're not a thousand percent on board with Elon Musk, but he keeps doing things that make me think like, hey, man, this guy is showing some growth and depth that maybe we thought wasn't there. Do, or, were you not impressed with how he handled that CNBC interview? Well, I mean, I've been on a show before saying I don't trust Elon Musk, and that, that's just that's just where I'm at. And I think everybody out there, anybody out there, should have a healthy level of skepticism towards figures who conspicuously end up in the position that Elon Musk is in. Now, with that being said, uh, I'm I'm not in any way affected by Elon Musk and his comments in any immediate way. So I'm I'm a third party. I'm I'm watching from afar. And in watching from afar, I'm not willing to preclude any miracles. As a Christian man, I'm not willing to preclude any miracles about Elon Musk and the trajectory of his journey, his life's journey. We've seen, I, I, I wanna reference this in, in response to, to Elon Musk specifically. And I'm not comparing him to Pharaoh because I don't think that he's been involved in anything as treacherous or as sinful or as blasphemous as, as Pharaoh was in the Bible. But I, I referenced the scripture where Gabriel, the archangel Gabriel, bragged to the other angels that in Pharaoh's final moments at the bottom of the sea, he kicked dirt in the mouth of Pharaoh so that Pharaoh couldn't repent in his final moments because he was afraid that God was so grace gracious, that, that God had so much mercy that God would actually forgive Pharaoh. So I think that gives us all a, a guidance on how we should view people who we disagree with and not preclude miracles if we if we um, 
if we claim to be Christians. I'm not familiar with that story. That that is interesting with with the archangel. To your point about like what masculinity is and how it's been redefined, that this trans movement is obviously a part of that, and it's just what what is a woman, what is a man, and all that. But you know, it strikes me as you're saying the most money uh, makes you the the most masculine, which is obviously ridiculous. The most masculine jobs we have across America are blue collar; they don't pay. These are guys in the coal mines. These are guys, the linesmen who are up there. These are guys that have built Police all of our officers, firemen. Yes, yes they've bought. And these are built in, and we're not, you can't pay these people two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year. These are public dollars. We'd all be taxed, it, it wouldn't work. But without them, all of these people that think they're men because they go out and play basketball, where are your lights coming from? Who's making sure that that building's standing? You couldn't, those guys inside the arena couldn't have built that arena. It was men who built that arena. And so we, we are so backwards in what it has become. Once upon a time, you had to stay in shape. The, the reason we value tall, strong men is because you had to protect and you had to go get food, right? You had to go out for your entire family. And so today we've gone away from like the physical idea of what a man is. You have to, all, all these infrastructure ideas, it, it was actually, it goes back to physicality. And we've taken most of that away. We can have a five foot one guy that's got a decent brain on him and lucked into a, a tech idea in Silicon Valley and now he's the manliest guy, in the, Mark Zuckerberg, the manliest guy in the world because he can donate $400 million to the Democratic Party in the 2020 election. All right, he's a man. Mark Zuckerberg's no man. I've seen him, I've been around him. And so I just, the, the idea of redefining manhood and this obsession with money, it, it is what Royce always talks about, radical materialism, it is killing us. It, it why well, I didn't think about the radical materialism thing that, that again, but I did this morning just talking to Royce about this. I did think about the sacred honor and and I didn't even think about. Yes, I am pointing out that, you know, this radical materialism, that that's what the bag is all about. It's, it's radical materialism. Yeah. It's exactly what Royce talks about all the time. Royce, how and. Go ahead with your point as well, but I, I want to make one other little small point that TJ made to me either late mm-hmm. last week or early this week. It, it, and it connects to my whole thing about the bag and how I'm saying the bag is just a purse. And this is just next thing you know, we're all going to want red bottom shoes. And, and, and TJ made the point to me earlier this week. He's like, hey, Jason, when you and other guys talk about giving people their flowers, that's actually a feminine term. You know, you give women flowers. And yeah. it's like all of our language is being subtly manipulated into a more feminine version, a more emasculated version of conversation. And we don't even recognize it, but it's very obvious when you think about it. Well, number one, let me let me let me touch on a few things there, because I got to go after you two, you two geniuses, so I got a few things to touch on. Um, Number one, let's go back to e- Elon Musk for for a moment. Um, I, I thought, you know, Elon Musk is one of those people who we have to watch because he is the product of a hyper-corporatized and financialized culture. It's not just our system of politics or our governance or, or our everyday life, our, our local grocery stores or where we get our food, the Monsantos and Cargills who who have become the, uh, the the special interest groups that control our politicians or Wall Street or who so on and so forth. It's not them. It's us. 
I have seen the enemy and the enemy is me. You know, we have this sort of uh, radical materialism that goes right back to our biblical principles, greed, right? Greed, pride, ego, all of these things build on each other. And, and you know, I, it's funny that at the same time, I want to give Elon credit. I want to show you where he's weak. It's funny that a man would reference the princess bride, right? That's sort of like, let's reference some material everybody, all the boomers can relate to. Let's be real Judeo-Buddhist boomer friendly. And there are a lot of Judeo-Buddhists in our culture now, and they are a lot of boomer Judeo-Buddhists in our culture now. And he's even trying to cater to some of the younger Judeo-Buddhists. You know, these are your meditate seven times a day and act like it has nothing to do with Christianity. Well, the archetype, the story that he's drawn on from the Princess Bride about not being able to be offered anything comes straight out of the Bible. Matthew 4, 1 through 11, Jesus was tempted brought to the highest hill, looked upon all the kingdoms, and Satan said, I'll give you all of these if you'll but kneel, bow to me. And Jesus said a number of things. You know, man can't live by bread alone. Basically, Matthew would, would be Matthew 6, 3, 3. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We've gone so far away from these basic cultural values. And all of these people are either silent about that or they're going out of their way to actively destroy that. Um, and and yeah, I mean, I, I'm, it's not me saying radical materialism. It's not me saying that Karl Marx tried to reduce the human existence down to price. It's not me saying that capitalism in large part reduces the human existence down to price. Uh, this is an idea that Christ himself uh, you know, laid out for us. And it's not by accident that one of the few times you see the wrath of Christ and I get really mad with my 501c3 Christians who pretend like there's no room for profanity or foul or, you know, let, let's say uh, hostile, out of character behavior in this age today. You know, a lot of our 501c3 Christians all around the world hang their hat, the Christian, their, the hat of, you know, hang their hat of the, the hat of their Christianity on not using foul language. But they let Luciferians take over the whole country. They let Luciferians take over the entire country. That's the reality. And I use Jesus as an example because one of the few times he showed a wrath that was uncharacteristic wasn't when he was hanging out with the robbers and the thieves and the job rants. Wasn't then. That's not when he showed his wrath. When did he show his wrath? When the Pharisees in the temple tried to monopolize the Godhead. When those who lead us, our spiritual and cultural leaders, who, who were tasked with leading people spiritually, real leadership, because there are always real leaders. When those people corrupted those institutions, he came through like a whirlwind and he cursed them and he shouted them and he turned the tables over and he showed a real level of anger and, and what some would describe now in our soft society, violence. When Christ showed violence was with the leaders who say they were spiritual guides. Uh, and, and I think that reflects now on us in many ways. Yeah, we are being led by money changers. We are being led by corrupt profiteers. It's funny how the word profit and profit sound the same. I'm just I'm just preaching today. Go ahead. One of the points I really like that you're making there, Royce, and this is something TJ and I have talked about in private as well. Royce makes the point of like, Elon Musk wanted to make a point to this interviewer 
and he used a secular reference. And, yeah. and you and I talk all the time about like, no, let's relate all these things to biblical principles. Let, let's go to the root. And, and we basically, and, and again, you and I have had the conversation, TJ, as it relates to me and the show and my monos and, and just like, because I, I like to make movie references. I want to speak to people in a way that they'll, it'll make them think of something. And we've moved so far away from the Bible. People used to talk the way Royce just did. Mm-hmm. Is No, I, I got a great biblical reference to point this out that shows Jesus and his behavior, blah, blah, blah. Instead, now, hey, let's go to the, what was the name of the movie? The Prince and the Bride? Is that Princess what Bride. Princess Bride. And, and I'll go to the TV show The Wire or The Sopranos to make these references, The Godfather. And, and it, it, it all speaks to how far away we've been driven from the Bible. And it, it speaks to why I get so upset when people try to diminish the founders of this country and people, and we all pretend like we're so much smarter than the people from the past. And the people from the past didn't have TVs and all these movies and everything like that. They had the Bible, and so they talked about the stories in the Bible constantly Mm -hmm. when they were communicating. That was just the way you casually communicated to people. The cultural reference points always came from the Bible. And it's why I sit there and go, I I think these guys actually were superior to us because they were more biblically based than we are. And and we sit around and we've let the world, well, slavery. And and again, I I keep making those like, well, abortion. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) And I'm like, I can't wait to get to heaven to find out where God stands on slavery versus abortion. I have a feeling killing a baby in the womb is going to be worse, but yeah, I don't want to. I can't speak for God, but I, I love just that Royce took us right back to the root and a biblical reference, and that's the way we should be communicating. Because you can't the, the 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 root, the fruit, the tree is greater than the fruit, mm. or it, it's more uh, satisfying, more powerful than the fruit. Yeah, it goes back to Ecclesiastes, right? There's nothing new under the sun. And yeah. all he said is they made a movie with the archetype of what they learned in the Bible, and they just decided. That, by the way, this is true about most of the Disney movies. Uh, Jordan Peterson, with his psychological takes, has talked a lot about this. He's like, do you know why the old Disney movies work? Because they're all taken from biblical arcs and biblical narratives that we can all resonate with. That's why all the new ones are crap, because they've gone away from it. Frozen, one of the worst movies ever made. He's talked all about it. He's like, go back to The Lion King, and you could see somebody sacrificed their life. Mufasa sacrificed his life for his son. That stuff you can resonate with. Grow up, right? And so that what Royce just did a, a moment ago is why you and I had this conversation around New Year's. It was kind of one of my revelations that I had of like, because you actually do a better job at than I do talking. You usually, you weave in cultural references, but there's always scripture in something. There's always Jesus in something. I, in my everyday talk with my friends and stuff, do less of that. But Royce just did it for me, talking about Gabriel. I've not heard that story. So the first thing I'll do, I'm going to be driving home, and I'm going to go find an article, and I'm going to read about the story of Gabriel kicking dust into the mouth of Pharaoh, right? He, he made a reference that's interesting that I want to know more about, and now I'm interested. Royce making an offhand comment to make a point about the culture has pushed me into scripture, right? And so that's the overall point for me. And the, and the founders that you're talking about, 
in the, uh, this is one of my favorite stories, uh, David Barton has talked a lot about this. Ben Franklin, who's widely considered one of our least religious founding fathers, when at the Constitu Constitutional Convention in, in 1790, he, we basically, it was falling apart, couldn't get it together. And he stood up and gave a 14 sentence diatribe where he said, you know, what are we doing? We've got to come back to prayer. You know, during the, the revolution, we were in here praying in this very room and we've gone away from that. We've lost it. And in those, he, he is a, his speech was 14 sentences. And during those 14 sentences, he quoted 14 scriptures. And it was, he actually is on record of saying, hey, when I'm in America, everybody's so familiar with the Bible, I don't have to tell you where it's found. When I say something, you know, uh, man does not live by bread alone. I don't have to tell you where that's found. You already know because you know scripture so well. When I go to France, when I go to England, some of these other places, I got to tell people and explain the Bible. When I'm here in America among us, I don't have to. And that's how we were able to grow it, as you said. Before we had The Wire and all these, you know, MASH where 100 million people were watching every episode, everybody knew all the scriptures. And so when you brought up Jonah and the whale, everybody knew exactly what points you were about to make. And, and it was a, a trusted source, one that we all knew, but it was just the most obvious thing. Now we try to think of how can I most effectively communicate this to people? And we think outside of the Bible because we know most people don't know the Bible. And I'd rather be doing what Royce just did. Let's push them back to scripture so that they need to figure it out. Royce, I, I want to give you the final say uh, if, if on, on this. I, I, you know, I hope that the audience is following me and, and doesn't think I'm being too harsh on Pat McAfee, but I, I, I just, I'm not going to back up. I have no respect for this decision. It's not jealousy. It's not envy. It, it, it's none of it. It's not personal. The guy is enormously successful, can go work anywhere he wants, have independence and freedom and autonomy, and has chosen to get back further in bed with Disney and ESPN. And to me, it's so obvious what Disney and ESPN are about. I, I get why some people take those checks. They don't have any other options. But this guy had all kinds of options, and he's chosen the coward's way. Well, I, I don't, I want, don't want to take too much time here, but but this may be a little, a little long-winded. Reference to the Go other. Go ahead, we got time. Pieces. Um, you know, we, it, it dawns on me as I watch the show back. I watch the show often because sometimes I don't see the other segments, or I'm watching other people who I love, Alex Jones, Bannon, and, and all the other commentators, and I watch the feedback, and I and I and I and I'm watching the, the conversation. Uh, amongst the people, we the people, not just here in America, but but all over the world. I'm watching the, the zeitgeist, and it dawns on me that many people understand the general premise concept of what we're dealing with, but they still want to live in the mirage. And it's fitting that you, you, you know, you've so uh, graciously named me, nicknamed me Morpheus. I, I really didn't follow the Matrix movies much when I was young and I've gone back and gotten into them now because, because uh, of the nickname. And I, I think they're, they're, they're great. I remember them being much better when I was a kid that was young and dumb and believed maybe you could actually dodge bullets. Um, but uh, I, I went back to watch the first Matrix and I thought it was so insightful of their writers that the person who betrayed Morpheus and his crew and Neo to the agents and to the machines, 
he didn't want to he didn't want he didn't want riches he didn't want an exclusive special elite place in the real world what was his one request he asked to be jacked back in he asked to be plugged back in he asked to go be able to go back and live the lie as though he had never known the truth he asked to go back to the moment where he was given the choice of the red pill and the blue pill and he wished he had taken the blue pill and he wanted to go forward with no knowledge of his previous life. I say that because many of us live in this mirage. Many of us live in this mirage today. And those of us that would look at what you're saying about Pat, uh, you know, McPhee and go, oh, it's not that big a deal. It's just one man who's looking out for his own interests. The whole circumstance of today is just a bunch of individual men who looked out for their own circumstance, had no sacred honor, and thus gave the entire country and the entire civilization over to wickedness. That's the foundation of the whole problem here. Just one man here and there in this small, little tiny decision that seems to not affect anyone beyond them. That's who Pat is, but it's not Pat. It's not just Pat, it's Stephen A, it's it's LeBron, it's, I mean, you could pick a list, just go down the list, right? Openly Luciferian, but it's not just them, it's us. And I want to put the responsibility back on us. It's me. It's me. Every day I try and repent and have my actions follow in a way that would say all the times where I looked out for me and me only, um, I'm, I'm trying to redeem myself of and, and, and follow more in the direction of Christ. And it's, it, again, I said what I said about Christ and, and the script and um, pardon, TJ might not be familiar with that. That One of my Muslim friends taught me about that story from a prophet's rendition of the Old Testament where Gabriel, the archangel Gabriel, is actually named Jabril, and, and Pharaoh is, is Pharaoh. But um, my, 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 my point is that all of these things, it's, it's not by accident that they take those stories that are clearly from biblical principle and use them they're not only trying to trying to uh, benefit from their their resonance, they're trying to corrupt Christ. I mean, this is the anti-Jew motif against Christ, God, and Abraham. They're using these stories and blending them with satanic, demonic, child pedophilia to try and bastardize Christ. It's not by accident. So we we can't take any of this as any small. This none of this is is small warfare. None of this is our small battles. Every battle now is a big battle. And Pat needs to understand that. And so does Rogan and so does Musk and so does Tucker and every everybody else who's involved in the game. The choices people make today will have ramifications far beyond the local, far beyond themselves. I, I'll summarize or buttress your point or perhaps maybe I'll even dirty up your point. Who knows? But but I'll say that I understand your point because the people that thought, well, we'll just look the other way on JFK's assassination, didn't realize, like, no, looking the other way in 1963 is how we got to 2023 and a president thinking, sexually mutilating kids is gender affirming it yeah. it's it's how we got here and so it, it is all connected our decisions today the things that we decide hey we're not going to deal with today we're just going to ignore and hope they just go away and pretend like it didn't happen Th they're going to cause major problems 
for your kids, their grandkids, and their kids. And we can just keep kicking the can down the road and burying our heads and pretending like none of this, oh, no, no, I mean, these movies that Disney's putting out that are explicitly trying to confuse your kids along gender lines, along sexuality lines, no, 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 it'll all go away and one day Disney will start making movies like they used to and get, no, this stuff's not going away. It's going to have dramatic, you're going to be dealing with gender and identity confused kids for generations because of what we're overlooking today. There's a, um, I'm not gonna get this exactly right, but there, uh, Eric Metax is a, is a talk show host. He just came to speak at my church the last several weeks and I, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, uh, if you've heard that name from Germany, a Lutheran pastor and um, he, he wrote a book about what was going on during Germany and, and all the issues. And so Martin Niemöller is the German Lutheran pastor who has a, a famous poem about what happened in Germany under Hitler. And it goes like this, first they came for the socialists and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me and there was no one left to speak for me. And so the point of all that is that these got all of us, like what is at stake? Every battle is a big battle, even if it's not directly affecting us. I think it is. Every battle is a huge battle because the guys who watched this happen in Germany had no idea what was happening before their lives. Just a, hey man, as long as I'm getting the bag, I'm good. As long as I'm taken care of, I'll, I'll just be over here. I'm one of the elites. Pretty soon they come after the elites too. Thank you guys, uh, great job. Thank you, Royce. Uh, I wanna keep it moving. I got uh, Coach JB just around the corner. JB's gonna be back with us, help us talk about uh, something going on with JJ Reddick and Ja Morant. Uh, wanna get to that. Before I do that, I wanna take one of our great sponsors, one of our great friends, our friends at Nugenics. Guys, are you ready to boost your testosterone and get your old self back? Our sponsor, Nugenics Total T, is offering a complimentary bottle when you text 231-231 and enter the keyword fearless. You know what a complimentary bottle means. That, that, that's free. A free bottle, 231-231. Are you really ready to lose your shape, your muscle, your energy? As men age, we lose free testosterone, the man hormone. We lose that fire. It's harder to feel as alive, as energetic, be as active. It's even harder to stay in shape. Now you can get that old fire back with Nugenics. Want more energy, more power to fight the negative physical effects of aging? Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster with Testafin will help you turn back the clock and re-energize your life. It'll help you look and feel like the man you want to be. And now get a complimentary bottle when you text 231-231 and enter the keyword fearless. This is the unprecedented formula with science-backed key ingredients to safely maximize your free and total testosterone levels, help you increase muscle mass, and skyrocket your performance as you age. Nugenics is also the number one doctor-recommended testosterone-boosting brand. If you're not totally satisfied, Nugenics will refund 100% of your purchasing price, plus shipping and processing. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text 231-231 and enter the keyword fearless. Text out and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo X, our newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you lose fast and get lean fast. Absolutely free. 
231-231, keyword fearless. Go support Nugenics. Texting enrolls you into reoccurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. The number one doctor recommended brand by primary care physicians based on independent survey conducted by IQVIA in 2022. 231-231. Stay fearless. Free bottle. All right, you can email me and us at fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. Coach JB. It's my obligation or hate discrimination raising up your hands for freedom. All right, welcome back. Time for some last chance cue, although uh, this time we're going to tap into JG, JB's basketball analysis. This morning I was perusing Twitter and saw Jay-Z, uh, Jay-Z, JB snapping over J.J. Reddick's appearance on First Take this morning. Let's watch J.J. Reddick talk about Ja Morant. Again, we can go into the backstory of the incident with uh, the teenager, Jaws, claiming self-defense that the teenager threw the ball in his face. Uh, we can go into the incident at the mall when he yelled at his security guard. We can go into the incident uh, with the uh, Indiana Pacers traveling party. As far as we know, all of these things have been investigated and no law has been broken. I'm not condoning the behavior. I'm not saying there should be no punishment. There should be. There should be consequences. You are the face of the league. You are representing the NBA. You are a role model to young kids. All of that, I don't think half a season is the right answer. And the last point I want to make, because you bring this up, the, the, the guns on social media. We talk about consequences. Look, in our country right now, gun culture is pervasive. It's pervasive. We've got mass shooting after mass shooting, and nobody's doing a damn thing about it. So I get why we're so sensitive to this right now. But there's no consequence for Greg Abbott telling his constituents that they should go buy more guns. And then we have mass shooting after mass shooting in Texas. There's no consequence for an elected Tennessee official to send out a Christmas card holding AR-15s with his young family. And then there's a shooting in his very district. There's no consequences to that. So why are we why are we trying to lay down the hammer on a 23-year-old who didn't break a law. Explain that to me. Uh, JB, I'm going to give you first crack at explaining that because you inspired uh, this. JB, uh, the floor is yours if you'd like to explain to JJ Reddick. You know what I'm tired of? People don't understand. We either coach it or you allow it in life. And everything he just explain was an excuse he said i'm not condoning it you're lying you are condoning it so i don't understand it he needs to have a punishment but i don't believe half the season is it i know it should be a full season like this is what we we keep seeing jason every single day on mainstream media we keep seeing excuses for excuses as to why these kids um continue to do what they do and why it's okay. And it just blows my mind, man, that the adult in the room can't figure it out and wonder why we have a problem, especially in this particular demographic, inner city, black youth, let's just be honest, 
which I'm around every day. I don't believe JJ is around it at all. I don't believe any of those people at ESPN are around it at all. And this is a guy from Cookville, Tennessee. And uh, I think I have the right to discuss this uh, being from Compton, California. There's a little bit different. And I'm frankly just starting to be a little pissed off about these cats that come out who think they've been around a few brothers and sisters in their life and think they can speak about black culture, black lives, how it affects kids in the, in the hood because they played in a predominant black NBA. It blows my mind. I have the black friend quote, right? That's JJ Reddick. I have the black friend. It don't matter. You're not from there. You don't know what it's like. You have no clue what these kids look at. These kids aren't looking at Greg Abbott, Jason. You and I know that. They're looking at John Moran on IG Live. They're looking at all these cats that are in rap videos with pistols and AKs and guns. They're not looking at the white backwood politician with an AK with their kids on a Christmas card. Let's just be honest. And I don't understand how Steven Jackson and all these cats keep coming out and talking about this is a racially motivated attack on John Morant. No, it's not. You should be more proactive, Steven Jackson, instead of reactive like we see all these tweets every day, Jason, about prayers, T's and P's, all the black kings and queens that have lost their lives. Why haven't I seen J.J. Reddick, Stephen Jackson, Stephen A. Smith, and uh, whoever else on a commercial tomorrow to create a commercial? How about let's make this commercial, Jason. Let's call it how not to be like Ja instead of how to be like Mike. Let's make it not how not to be like Ja. Let's make that commercial. Why haven't I seen any proactive action by any of these cats who are claiming it's racially motivated? Monty Williams at Phoenix Suns have fired him because it's racially motivated now. Really? They just fired Nick Nurse and booted holes in two after they just won championships. Is that racially motivated? I'm just tired of the race baiting thing, man. I just It's time to start talking up at it because I've never really went into it. Uh, it's starting to just irk me to the core now because the truth needs to be told. I don't see these cats in Compton. I'm there. I don't see any of these cats in Compton. I'm the one talking to black kids every day. I don't see them, but they want to go on these platforms and utter pure nonsense to get a like and a retweet. That's my rant, man. Uh, JB, I got to say, that's some of your best work. Uh, it's a great setup for me to follow in behind you and just say to JJ Reddick, hey, man, what people are concerned about as it relates to Ja Morant, and, and I know it's great that you played basketball at Duke with some black teammates. It's great you had a nice long NBA career, a lot of black teammates. It's great that you socialize with some of the most elite and well-off and protected black people on the planet. That's awesome, JJ. Don't really wanna ridicule you or belittle you, but you sound like an idiot. <laughs> because what Ja Morant is doing is putting himself in harm's way, and he's putting other people in harm's way. Him using and treating a gun as a toy, a prop, an accessory, is putting Ja Morant in harm's way. When a police officer eventually pulls Ja Morant over in a car, 
because of all the videos, because of the way John Morant has portrayed himself, that policeman is going to be very suspicious of John Morant. Does he have a gun? Is he drunk or high? It, does he does he plan on playing or flashing that gun the way I've seen him do in videos? And so if it doesn't get Ja Morant harmed, maybe it'll get that policeman harmed. Maybe it'll get a passenger in the car harmed. Maybe let's remove the police in the scenario. Let's suppose Ja Morant being 23 goes to a club in Memphis, in Memphis or anywhere and gets in a dispute an argument, an altercation with someone who's really about that life. That person who's really about that life is gonna be, oh, this is John Morant, he carries a gun. Well, you know what, I happen to carry a gun. John Morant pretends to be about that life. I'm gonna pull out this gun and use it on John Morant because he could potentially use it against me. John Morant is a walking billboard advertisement of I want some type of gun violence drama to happen with me. He is sowing the seeds for that type of violence and misbehavior that, again, like JB just said, we know is commonplace in Memphis, in black communities, in urban areas. We know it's commonplace. And so we're watching a child play with fire Watching a child put his hand on a hot stove over and over and over again. And we don't need J.J. Reddick for likes, clicks, retweets, social media clout, television ratings. We don't need J.J. Reddick on TV trying to build his profile and brand. I'm the number one ally to all these idiots. We don't need that, J.J. Reddick, because there are people that are actually out here saying, hey, uh, J.J., hey, Ja, this behavior may end up getting you, someone close to you, or someone you don't know hurt. And that's why people are calling for Ja Morant to be disciplined harshly to cut out this behavior. Greg Abbott telling people in Texas to arm themselves and use their Second Amendment rights. That does it. There is no clear-cut connection between that behavior and these mass shootings that you love to talk about. There's no clear-cut connection. There's no, there's actual political and real justification for Greg Abbott telling his citizens, you know, arm yourself, use guns legally, protect yourself from this tyrannical government. The founders wanted you armed. They wanted the government to fear you. There is, what, what was the other reference he made? It, it wasn't Greg Abbott, there was a second reference he, he made that he was- People using guns in their Christmas cards? Yeah, the, the politicians using guns in their Christmas cards. If you can show me a clear connection between those Christmas cards and violence in the hood, in the suburbs, anywhere, not something you pull out of your rear end and speculate about. Because this stuff that we see in the actual inner city, where JB is talking about in Compton, in Memphis, across the street from me, right here in Nashville, I can walk from my very expensive apartment building, I can walk without 
losing my breath without any effort to a, a place right across the street from me where there's been at least three, three murders in the short time that I've lived here and several shootings at this one particular nightclub. And there's one particular demographic involved in every one of those shootings. And those guys take their cues from people like Ja Moran. Whoever sent out the Christmas card, they don't know nothing about it. Their behavior is not connected to whoever sent out those Christmas cards. And so I, I get it. Everybody wants to be the most down white guy in the world and wants to be the most down white guy uh, connected to NBA players. And I'm sure all the NBA players are celebrating you. Yeah, J.J. Redick, he's a real one. He kept it real for Ja. No, nah, man, if you really want to keep it, if you want some clout, I, I would love to go back and see. And maybe I don't know. I mean, we'll do the homework and find out. What did, ja, what, what did J.J. Reddick have to say about Kyrie Irving when he was getting beat up over a movie poster? Hmm. You want to keep it real and show how down you are for the black man? Stand up for Kyrie Irving when he was catching heat over nothing, a movie poster about black people or Jewish people's history. This smells like a gimmick to me. A, a Everybody wants to be the cool white boy, and this is your turn to be the cool white boy and, and, and get some points back from when you beat up on Stephen A. Smith and people get upset with you. Now you got you some cool points. You defended Job ja Morant and everybody waving a gun. Good job, J.J. Reddick. Sell out. I do not want to be the cool white boy. Oh, I, mean, I can go on record <laughs> saying that. Uh, I also, you know, to J, JB's point, it seems like his takeaway from that was like, hey, what are little kids watching and all that, and you're not in Compton? I'm like, I'm not from Compton. Never been there. Probably will never go there. You, you certainly would have to pay me a lot of money to go to Compton. Uh, but I do have a brain. And so I understand what the average person who's criticizing John Morant is saying. And I could break it down really easy in just a couple sentences. Good responsible ownership is good. Bad irresponsible gun ownership is bad. It's that simple. If you're sitting there as a politician, and particularly as a Republican, you know that you're, you're supported by the NRA, which by the way, there's never been a single member of the NRA who has been a mass shooter. So everybody acts like, oh, if you love guns, you're gonna go out there and murder everyone. That is not true. So you're pandering to some degree, but also it's a message. Hey, don't come to this house. Everybody's armed. Right? They're not saying, hey, turn on that rap song and I'm gonna smoke some N-word. That's what they're not saying. That's what Ja's saying. And so what we're saying is, what I have said for a very long time, gun culture is actually a good thing. It, there's just different types. There's different levels. America has always had a gun culture from day one. It's the second amendment in the Constitution. It is a gun culture. We want it that way. The more guns, the better. Everybody talks about, we got 400 million guns in circulation. Good, I wish we had two billion. I wish we had more guns. I actually think if every person got a gun when they turned 18 years old or 21 or whatever state you're in and went and got training, we would all be safer. But the way Ja Morant's handling it is the rap and hip hop culture. He's never taken a class on concealed carry. He doesn't know that you don't hold a gun up with your finger on the trigger and that that is dangerous. The likelihood of that being unloaded in a perfectly safe gun, nah, he's not handling it. It is, it is so clear how to handle a gun. It's, it, you can watch anybody 
who's ever taken a class on gun safety and know whether that you, you'll know the difference between somebody who has and hasn't. Why? Because a person who has always points the gun down, no matter if it's loaded or not. You never have the barrel facing in anybody. You always have it pulled out if they're ever going to let you touch it. They take the, the magazine out and they check the chamber to make sure nothing's in there and then they keep it open no matter what. So that it, There's so many small things you do. You would never wave a gun around in front of a camera or anybody. If you've ever gone to Bass Pro, if you've ever gone to your local gun shop, you see how they handle it and then they hand it to you open so that there's no way a bullet could come out of there. This is why people were upset with... Um, uh, the guy on Rust, the, the actor, Alex Baldwin, right? Yeah. It's like, because someone should have had the sense to go check that gun. Someone, right? He got off and all of it, but somebody should have had the sense. Gun safety is so easy to identify. So people are angry, particularly people like me, who have taken their concealed carry classes, who do carry a gun virtually everywhere they go. I'm angry because you are out there displaying that you are very likely going to have a gun accident at some point. And you're making it harder on me, a good, responsible gun owner, to continue to operate within the Second Amendment and have our rights because your stupidity is making other people freak out and think they need to take my gun. JB, circle back. You got any additional thoughts? Man, um, to be honest, you know, the, the cold part about this, Jason, is that you only see it from one point of view from, from these guys that have these big platforms like Reddick is now on. I haven't seen anyone um, on that network come out and call out, um, you know, racism for the fact that J.J. Reddick has moved in his discussion to be the new head coach for the Toronto Raptors. Why haven't I seen this narrative be pushed? Um, you know, Nate McMillan should be getting more, getting more shot and opportunity than J.J. Reddick, who's never coached. But J.J. Reddick can come on and talk about something that he's never been around or done in his entire life. And everyone's going to think he's the guy that knows what he's talking about because he's on ESPN. I, I just, this is the, this is my take to end this thing, Jason. I appreciate you having me on. Morant will have to come to LA and guess what? Guns aren't allowed in LA in the, in the car. And he's going to now carry a gun similar to what you were saying. And guess what? He's carrying a gun now because there's L.A. gangsters out here calling Ja out, if you haven't seen the videos, and they're now calling him out that you've been put on notice, Ja, because you're throwing up certain neighborhoods on TV during your games, and now L.A. gangsters, real gangsters, that do this for a living, have now caught the attention of Ja Morant. And now guess what? Ja Morant, his security or detail or whatever – is going to have guns on them. And now you've created an entire new group of, or, 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 or set of uh, rules here, like you were saying, and it's going to get worse, Jason. It's going to get worse now because you just said it. Perception's reality. They're going to think Jaw has a gun on him, whether he does or not now. And it's unfortunate, but that is the stereotype that is out here. And uh, Unfortunate situation, 23-year-old, there's nothing worse than a waste of talent. And that's what we're seeing at all-time high with this kid. JB, there's another point that you just led me to that you're the perfect guy to make or to discuss this with, is that J.J. Redick wants to be an NBA head coach. And he wants black players, star black players, to think of him the same way they allegedly think of Steve Kerr, who plays woke and, and does all these correct talking points, 
Black Lives Matter and all that other stuff. This is a gimmick that J.J. Reddick is using trying to secure the bag, trying to secure a head coaching job in Toronto. Let me go out here and say things I don't really believe and know are nonsensical, but this is what I have to do to pander to these black athletes so that when I go in there as the coach, they know I'm on their side. I'll back them up on their stupidity. This is a gimmick to put himself in a better position to get a head coaching job in the NBA. Hey, Jason, I'm be honest. I've talked to a bunch of athletes, pro athletes right now, about three in the NBA. I will, I'll keep their names out of it, but they all agree with me. None of them want that woke speech given to them in the locker room. They want raw and uncut, real talk banter that is genuine from the heart, whether it's a disagreement or agreement to those players. They want the real and uncut version of that particular coach or human being or leader in this instance. They don't want the woke talk. I'm telling you, this is from three current NBA players right now. Not one of my black friends, homeboys, associates, partners, whatever we want to get into, we want to be hood or not, agree with J.J. Redick. And, and, I'm, and I'm leaning on the majority on my Twitter and Instagram comments right now. They're agreeing with me as well. So why is the black side of things agreeing to my, me and all my friends are like, man, you, you, you hit that one on the head. Nobody's looking at these white backwood politicians and their guns on Christmas cards. They're looking at rappers, actors, entertainers, Kanye West wearing a space suit and red boots. And now you wonder why these kids are wearing it on Instagram. They're not looking at why. Why don't I see them doing? Why aren't they in a suit, Jason, with AKs? On a Christmas suit, uh, a Christmas card. I see him with red space boots and looking like they're straight out of, uh, you know, a movie like Kanye. I don't see I don't see anyone wearing politician suits and ties like it, it blows my mind, man. And I'm just glad that real people understand it. They see it and they don't not necessarily. These kids really don't want to hear the BS. They want real talk and real banter. And these coaches are doing this stuff that you just mentioned. They're actually losing integrity. They're they're actually losing um, everything that we've been taught that's right. They're losing it just to try to adhere to a group of people in the locker room that when those group of people really are just there and it's going in one ear and out the other because all they see is green money. They don't care what you say. But the ones that say the real, Jason, they not only get paid, they also win games. And I hate to see Popovich go down the same route. Kerr. And this is going to be another one. And it's unfortunate, man. It really is. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I, I think Malone is maybe the guy that's on top of it that maybe is not that way. And Denver may be on the way to championship. I don't know. But it's a very interesting take by you uh, to say that. Thank you, JB. Great job. Appreciate right. it. I know uh, some of our audience has missed JB, they've been at, where's JB, where's JB? Well, there's JB. What a great take. Now, you, you happy to kneel? Uh, all right. The visor halfway through, too. Uh -huh. He lost the visor yeah, he halfway did. through. He did. What happened? He did. All right, uh, go to YouTube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit those notifications. Hit the likes. Hit subscribe. Uh, we'll finish. Uh, am I, are we finishing? I can't remember. We're going to go to Jordan Bowles. 
talk a little Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals. Welcome back. Let's roll out to Indianapolis, bring in our resident NBA enthusiast, Jordan Bowles. Uh, Jordan, does it, in my eyes, fooling me? You got rid of the Westbrook, uh, you got rid of the Westbrook uh, jersey. Uh, I wasn't even going to comment on the haircut. You needed a haircut. I knew that, but uh, you got rid of the Westbrook jersey. We're making progress. Uh, Charlie, you may Charlie, actually know what you're that. talking about. I... She, I, I talk to Charlene and tell her I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets off to a 1-0 lead. Dominated that game, and then at the end, LeBron and they, they make some adjustments in the second half and in the fourth quarter, slow Jokic down a bit, uh, ends up a six-point game, maybe a little bit even closer than that. LeBron had a big shot that could have tied it up late. Your thoughts on what we can expect the rest of this series. Obviously, I'm rooting for the Denver Nuggets. I I can't stand LeBron James. Uh, But your thoughts on what we'll see the rest of this series. Uh, I think last night was a bit scary for the Nuggets to get up by, I I think the highest lead was 21, and then get, you know, kind of stagnant. Jokic lost a little bit of fire late. But what I will say is – they had a good game. The Lakers had a great game out of Rui Hachimura off the bench, and they still lose that game with AD with 40, uh, LeBron with 26. Uh, if I'm the Nuggets, I let LeBron shoot from three all day. I mean, he's, he's, he's horrible from three this playoffs. Uh, I think he's 25% over all three rounds so far. He was 0 for 4 last night. He had that three late that could have tied the game up, I believe, and he missed it. Uh, he had... Russell Wilson sitting courtside. I think he's rubbed off a little bit on D'Angelo Russell. I think it's a Russell connection as far as being off target. <laughs> so uh, I don't know about the Lakers, Jason. I'm going to be honest. Uh, I think this series is just above everybody's pay grade on the Lakers roster, except for LeBron and AD. Jokic has shown he's the best player in the world right now. And though he had a slow ending to the game, he won't do that again. And Anthony Davis has shown time and time again, he has a great game. Everybody's like, AD's top five in the league if he plays like this. It's if he plays like this every single time. He has never strung together two great games in a row. And I think this next game is going to be ugly for AD, and the Lakers might get shelled again unless, unless they do what they did against the Warriors and get a free throw margin of 20 or above every game. They won three games last series with a free throw margin wider than 20. That's the only way the Lakers win games in the playoffs thus far. So you're, you're saying if Adam Silver calls the referees again, like he did the last game and they send, they give the Lakers this huge advantage. I think that's where I land and, and not so much as it relates to the free throw shooter. I thought this Archer Morrow guy played way above his pay grade and way above his head. I just don't see that happening throughout this series. And if no. he hadn't played above his head, 
this game would have remained a blowout. He, he's the only reason why, you know, I think they were competitive. AD did and LeBron did what basically they're going to do. You, you got this joker from off the bench, not not the joker, but Archer Moore, yeah. that played well above his head and kept the Lakers in this game. I, I'm, I'm hoping, my thoughts are, my prediction is, being a little Denver in five, I see I the Lakers winning one game in L.A., but I, I can see the Nuggets winning this in five because I, I really think Nikola Jokic, he's not going to say it, but I, I think he wants to quiet down every last one of his critics who question him being in the MVP race for the third straight year. I think this guy is hyper-motivated to shut up his critics, and, and he got off to a great start last night. In, in game yeah. one and getting that victory. And he was Yoke the clear best player game. on the court. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'll let you got yeah, the final I was, word. I was, just saying, I was just saying, I love how Jokic goes about the game. Uh, he doesn't, too much, doesn't do too much talking. You know, he plays. Uh, you look up, you wouldn't think this guy had 35, 19, 15 assists or something like that. You think this guy was a big, fat, slow slug out there that couldn't play ball. I, this dude... It's unbelievable. I wish all players kind of took a page out of Jokic's book and just played the game. And whatever the stat line is, you know, you continue. You don't see any antics with a bunch of fans. Okay, the Suns owner caught a little caught a little smoke last round, but he tried to keep the ball from him. But other than that, you know, Jokic comes out here, plays hard, gets those numbers, and the rest, he just lets the game talk. You know what, Jordan? What I'll give you this homework assignment. You should probably have uh-huh. a talk with your dad and your uncle because how you just described Jokic's game is how they would have described my game as a kid when I would take oh, yeah. your dad and uncle out to the basketball court and put that work uh, in on them. They, they would kind of talk. I was like Jokic. I did very little talking. I just backed okay. it up on the court. Your dad and your uncle did a lot of talking and a lot of losing. But uh, I'm I'll, I'll let you talk to them about that. Yeah, gotcha. I'll let you talk to them. Thank you, Jordan. Yep, thank awesome you. job. Great job. Uh, we'll play some tomorrow, and we'll see you tomorrow. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my sister, no relation We all just wanna have freedom Sitting on the corner, never been alone I'm breaking my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back We are receiving, all receiving We all wanna be free We want freedom I just want, I wanna